all you dads and dad-to-bees out there. It is Devo with another episode here of the Fearless Fathers Podcast, the growing dad podcast to break the generational traditions that no longer serve you as a dad so you could do right by your kids and your family. I said it before and I say it again, it's Devo here, and I have another amazing guest on the show with me today. That's right, I gave Ryan the day off because I just love him that much. That's, that's what I do as the business partner. With me today, I have a really special human being, man, dad, entrepreneur, you name it, he is out there. His name is Alan Carter. He is the executive director over at UBS over in, in the greater Chicago area for wealth management and finances, but also he wrote in a stellar book called Letters from a Father. Now, we're going to talk a lot about Letters from a Father, where Alan came from and what he's been doing, where this where this came from. But I got to tell you, when I got this book and I read it, I haven't stopped putting it down. And I'm not just I'm not I'm not just building it that much, but we're building it quite a bit here today. So we're going to kick right into it. Alan, I want to thank you very much, brother, for being on the show. It's an absolute honor to have you today. Dave, thank you so much, man. It's great to be with you. I'm excited for our conversation. And again, thankful for what you're doing to support dads and building the community. This is great. I appreciate that, brother. As always, you know, it's it's like we talked about a little bit off the air before we started this, like the dad community. It's all about dad jokes and diaper jokes and sports, beer, all that kind of stuff. And it, it's almost a nice breath of fresh air, you know, not to toot my own horn, but when you get content like this for dads that are going through similar things. Yeah, 100%, man. It's uh, And look, the I think we'll talk about this more, but the reality is the the impact that an engaged father can have in the lives of their children, I mean, it's nothing to joke about. I mean, this is something that you will change the outcome for your kids and the, their kids. So the fact that you're building this community of really engaged dads who are seeking, who are learning, who are you know working with their kids to try to be the best they can be, the outcome of that is huge. So again, thank you, brother. I appreciate it. Thank you again. And thank you for the book. We're definitely going to get into that. But I want to get into you first and foremost. So we didn't talk about this in your intro, but you have three amazing kids. And you're an empty nester now, as we talked about. But I want to know from you right off the bat, no script, no nothing. What is one of your funniest moments that had to do with any one of your kids? Oh, man, they're absolutely endless. You know, <laughs> it's so amazing for dads who have you know more than one kid. It's always perplexing to recognize you can have the same parents in the same house, the same neighborhood, the same friends, same DNA, and these kids are completely different. I mean, it's like they're from different planets. So I think that always gives dads with multiple kids a chuckle. And, you know, we had we had a great kid who was big into sports, uh, our son, just a thriving sports athlete. Our daughter, our eldest daughter, was the other side of the fence, man. She was the band kid. And I'll never forget, she was pretty, she was like 15 years old, right? And we said, all right, honey, we're going to a football game. And she's like, football? Now, is that, is that where they, they have quarters in a football game? And I'm like, that's right, honey. You know, there's, there's quarters. She's like, well, how many quarters in a game are there? And so if you think about that question, man. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> That was our response. I mean, there's this long pause and you kind of get that dad stare up into the sky and you kind of shake your head and you're like, all right, yeah, well, there's four. There's always four quarters in any whole thing, but that's all right, baby. We're, we're going to go to the football game. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I love that. That's, the innocence of a teenager, right? Usually it's an innocence, the innocence of a teenager. 
Yeah, you know, the teenage years and and this book that we'll talk about today, that is focused on those teenage years. And those can Mm -hmm. be some of the most frustrating years for any parent, but they're also some of the most formative years for a child's character. And so that means that the premium on the engagement as a dad is big time in that segment of their lives. And so um, that was the, the time period this book focuses on. But yeah, it's an important part of a, a kid's life for sure. Oh, 100%. I mean, I am just out of what you were saying there in the beginning, I am one of a biological sister, and then I have two half siblings on either side of my family. And you're absolutely right. Every single child, no matter how they're raised, how they're built, how they grow through this world, they all have their own separate personalities. I'm the big gamer, geek, nerd, talking personality creative. My half-brother, he's the redneck, big with trucks. And my sis- my biological sister, she's the health, y- health nut, yoga, all that right. kind of stuff. And what you said there is absolutely true in the fact that the parenting styles, like I look at parenting styles and like the leadership styles in that you have to have more than one style in order to cope with what's going on in a single situation. Yeah, no, that's that's really true. Have you heard of a guy named Rich Devinney? He's a former Navy no. SEAL. He's a great cat. Anyway, he talks about this from a dirt, different perspective. And, you know, leadership happens at the you know tip of the spear. And wherever that is, right, is when leadership needs to happen. So as a parent, that's the same thing. You know, you're going to shift gears in terms of who's leading and how you're leading based on the situation. So your ability as a parent to be malleable and to be present right? Will really help in that process. That's a massive word right there. Present. I, th- I think I've said that word a thousand times on this podcast and it's one that I'm going to say a million more times. It's being present and being improvising to change because it's going to happen on a dime. We have a little three-nager in the house right now. And let me tell you, both me and my wife want to lose our minds sometimes. Yeah. But it comes to that aspect of, yeah, the 50-50, but then there's got to be that 80-20 split and one person's got to take the lead and handle a situation completely differently. No, that's right. And man, your focus on being present, I think that's so important. You know, dads, I think, you know, we feel this burden to provide. And sometimes I think we use that as a crutch or an excuse. And, you know, for example, we're quote unquote, too busy to spend time with the family or especially when with kids that age at age three, man, it's easier to work on the business or create an excuse like, hey, honey, I got it. Do you mind? I need a couple hours to like escape into my office to work. Well, do you really? Or is that just something that you're using as a hack to get out of the hard stuff? And so, yeah, I mean, parenting, especially being a father, can be tough sometimes. And man, you got to lean in. You got to roll up your sleeves and you got to be present, just like you're talking about, Dave, because that's when the good stuff happens. It's a thousand percent when the good stuff happens. And even on that point, before we even start getting into the book, because this conversation right here, I'm, I'm already like hyped up. I'm ready to rock on this. That's absolutely right. Like I have my office, I have my business up here, but when it's not recording time and I'm hitting that play button. My son, he's in and out of here all day. There's times where I'm going to be like, yo, you need to leave. You need to leave. And I'm kind of focused in on that. But it it became so imperative. And I got this from a guest that I interviewed. He became a great friend of mine. He lets his son into his office. And he's like, whatever's happening, I'm stopping for that five to 10 minutes that he's in his office because I'm not going to get those memories back. He's in here. He's playing his drums. He's playing my drums. He's trying to get me drinks. He's doing whatever. But you know what? I could take the 10 minutes, the five minutes from all that hard stuff 
to be able to spend time with my son, build those memories because he's not going to be three forever. Dave, that is so right. And so my perspective is a little different than that because I'm an empty nester now. And I'll have to, I'm going to cuff what I heard, but I've read before that, you know, when your kids leave the house or they go to college or they start working, the amount of time you have with them is minuscule going forward. So at age 18, call it, that's it. You don't get that time back. There's no redo. There's no do over. The shot clock has gone off and you're done. So, you know, looking back now, I can tell you, man, I've got regrets. And so what your friend said is great advice. Put the pencil down, stop, focus, because that time is certainly fleeting indeed. Even on that point, and I think this is going to be the last point that we kick in before we start getting into the book here. But one of my favorite entrepreneurs, you might have heard of him, Dean Graziosi. Have oh, you ever sure. heard that name yeah. before? Yeah. Uh-huh. He, he talked about going on vacation with his kids and how realistically you only have memories from the time. Like you only have like 10 years, 10 years worth of time to go on vacations with them and actually build those bonding experiences. Because by the time they're 14, 15 they're not going to want to deal with you anymore. Yeah. They're not, they're, they want their friends with them. They want to do all this. So even when you're talking like that 18 year frame, realistically, you could cut that down by three or four years alone. And then you're left with regret and be like, man, if I only put that pencil down a little bit sooner, if I only stepped out of my office or took an extra day off of work, I could have had so much more with them than I did. Yeah, no, I think that's exactly right. And uh, look, it's it's not an easy decision to make in the moment, but it's so important. And I think the more we can talk about that stuff with dads, the more we can squeeze some time uh, and pour. They can pour their lives into those kids, and that's it's a formative thing, big time. A hundred percent. But real, Alan, the reason why we're here today, man, is this this book. I obviously our listeners can't see it, but this book right here. I talked about it a little bit in the beginning, Letters from a Father. This is a book of 70-some letters that were written to Alan's kids through the years about all different aspects of life. And we're going to dig into a lot about this today. And Alan, just to start us off, people that may not know who you are or what the book's all about, we're going to dig a lot more into it here. Can you give us more of an idea of where the thought process for Letters from a Father came from? Yeah, for sure. And to be honest with you, I'm... I'm, uh... I'm always surprised when I'm on these podcasts, Dave, because this thing was never meant to be a book. I mean, it honestly wasn't. So it back up a little bit, man. I just started, I was looking for another way to engage with my kids, as we all do as fathers. And mm -hmm. a lot of us do the normal stuff. You know, we take the kids to practice. We hang out with them after school. We do the family dinners together and the family vacations. We're present with them. But I was just looking for another rung in that ladder. So when they were teenagers, I said, hey, wouldn't it be cool if I just wrote them a monthly letter based on a shared experience that we might have had together? In other words, just pull on the thread a little bit harder in a written format. And so I started doing that every month and it kept going and going. And then one day my, my mother and father got a hold of a couple of the letters. I think my wife had sent them along. And they called me up and they said, hey, son, this is really good stuff. Like, it's selfish if you don't share this with the world. And so, uh, yeah, I was surprised to hear that. But long story short, yeah, this book's been out there just about nine months now. And it's received a lot of attention, which still blows me away. But it just started with an effort by me to engage with my kids, Dave. 
And it's been a lot of fun to see um, the thinking around it. And I'm hopeful that other dads will start this for themselves or use the tools in it. I mean, I'm not interested in selling a lot of books. All this stuff goes to charity, but I am interested like you are in helping dads be better dads. And that's what's more important to me and you, I think, than anything. I couldn't agree anymore with that. And being a, it's been a blessing of mine since I've been 10 years old to be a massive writer. I'll tell you what, that gave me the idea to start writing to my three-year-old on maybe like a monthly basis or like every three months. Obviously, he's really young now, but that actually put a spark in me to be like, this is another avenue that we could connect with. So thank you for that, honestly. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's a great, and I appreciate that so much, Dave. And, you know, anything we can do, anything, letters or anything else that we can do to just dial up that engagement, I think is a great thing. So what made you want to go with the writing route? I think it just happened at once. Like we were, we were just sharing experiences and I thought about something after the fact. And you know how you always have those moments where you're like, gosh, I wish I had mentioned this. Like, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're on a family vacation and you had something happens and you, you wake up in the middle of the night like, why didn't I say that? Well, you could easily pull out your laptop or a pen and paper and you can dial that up and you can use that as the format or foundation for a letter program to your kids. And so the opportunity there is huge, especially for teenagers. You know, teenagers are an interesting lot as, <laughs> as you'll find out, my friend. And, uh. And sometimes they're more difficult to engage with. But man, if you send them a letter and let them read it on their own time and don't bug them about it, it's amazing. I get asked a lot, Dave, like, hey, when, what, like, what did your kids say when you sent them the letters? And honestly, I would send them a letter that I'd spend a lot of time on and I'd get crickets. I mean, just like, <laughs> no. Thankless service. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, yeah. it's just going into a black hole. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And, oh, yeah. But then months later, you know, they'd say, hey, dad, I was thinking about that. Or, or they'd mention it in passing that made me realize that they were really focused on it and they were really thinking about it. And that had prompted some thinking of them and some serious reflection. And so that was a lot of fun. Sometimes you get instant feedback, um, but I think that doesn't matter. What it matters is the effort. And what that was mattering more than anything is just the effort. And they see that, feel it, and they respect it. And I think you brought up a great point on that, like the thankless service. Like you put all this heart and soul into it and you wanted to, oh, type this all up. And I mean, I've, I've read the letters. I've seen them. And it's like, this is some great heartfelt stuff. Like I actually felt that connection reading these. And then you get that crickets like, uh, hey, what's up? What's for breakfast, dad? Like, yeah. okay, I'm off to school. I'll see you later. You brought up the absolute point like, it resonated with them. And I feel like, especially as dads, we want that instant response. Like now, like I did this for you. What's the response? What's going on? And for them to come back and it allow it to sink in and anchored in those thoughts, those memories, those, those lessons that are taught in the letters that you wrote to them each month. I mean, that right there in itself is more, more sweet and more delayed in that gratification than I probably could have asked for, for the instant responses. No, I think that's right, Dave. And look, it does require a lot of patience. Patience is, you know, the number number one virtue, I think, for any dad, especially <laughs> in teenage years. But yeah, we're just called to just breathe into it and just let things sit and simmer and trust that what we're doing with our good effort and sometimes a lot of prayer is sinking in. 
And it takes, sometimes it takes a long time for those plants to grow, but they will absolutely grow and flourish. You brought up, this interview just came out today from the date of this recording where I talked to Xane Anderson. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to that interview yet. I haven't. But no. he, he talked about near the end of the interview, watering the seeds and waiting for an apple orchard to grow. Yep. And when you grow the right things, when you water the right things and you don't water the weeds, basically catching them doing when something's right, that gives a lot more, that pays a lot more dividends and the back end than it would by catching them when they're not doing their homework or cleaning their bed or whatever the case is. So th that just made me think, and it's like this revolving cycle of the fact that consistency needs to compound, the gratitude needs to compound, like the genuineness in what it is we're doing as dads and not just letting our emotions get in the way or our fears or our doubts, but really allowing that, that apple orchard to grow. No, it's a hundred percent right. I love that analogy, that growth and, and the realization that to your friend's point, it takes time. And uh, I think our culture now more than any in history because of internet and social media. I mean, we want this instant gratification. It's just mm. not how life works, especially with kids. And uh, that's tougher now than ever to just breathe into it and be patient. I mean, I'm, I'm the millennial generation. I remember 20 years ago, instant gratification was getting a $14 lollipop on the boardwalk that my parents were getting mad about. Yeah. But now it's looking for that next like or that next viral video or we, we really... I, I, f I feel this too because I've been in this trap and I'm sure you have too where we've gotten in the trap of I just want that little dopamine hit. I want that little bit of serotonin to make me feel good about myself and we all do. There's nothing sure. wrong with that but it comes down to at least where the way I see it is it comes down to the the, the tough things that we want. Those really, really virtuous obstacles that we need to face that when they don't hit us, they just completely flatline us. Yeah. No, I think that's – that's well said, man. And I, I'm thinking of um, thinking. You know me. I, I, my faith is pretty deep. I'm, I'm, a, mm -hmm. I'm a Christian guy. And that that's that. You that reflects a lot in the letters that um, that book. But you know, Galatians is a verse in Galatians that the Apostle Paul wrote, and it's Galatians five twenty two. It talks about the fruit of the spirit, and that's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness faithfulness and self-control. And if you just think about those concepts and those values and, you know, those character traits, those are what is required from a father to be impactful. And you couldn't script out, I think, a more comprehensive list of things that we want for ourselves and we want for our children. And interestingly enough, those things are required to be good fathers. So, um, yeah. yeah, it's, it's yeah. a virtuous circle, I think. And it's a good verse that I've always kind of thought a lot about as I try to be the best dad I can be. I think that's where a lot of us as dads, we fall into that. I want to be the best dad. I want to give more to my kids than I had growing up, but we tend to go through a lot of those like toxic legacies that yeah. our dads taught us and our grandparents oh. taught our parents and so on yeah. and so forth. And I mean, what was that like for you? Because obviously, you know, I don't know that deep into like your past growing up, but like if there was any of those legacies that you were really fighting with when your kids were born and you're trying to show 
how to be how to overcome what you were overcoming. Yeah, I mean, what a good conversation. And you've had some wonderful conversations on your podcast around this stuff. But yeah, the reality is all of us, you know, come all of we all have demons and baggage in our closets, right? That we want to interrupt uh, for the next generation. And, um, you know, I think about this a lot because back to, you know, how this stuff gets passed or not passed onto our kids. The reality is, man, things are going to impact us. Things from our past life, things from our work life, the pressures that we've dealt with, um, that's going to impact us full stop. It just is. Oh, yeah. And I think kids understand that. But back to what I said earlier, I think it's the effort more than the more than anything that counts. If, if your kids see you just doing the best you can, knowing that, hey, we're all broken and we're all damaged and none of us are perfect. But if that honest effort is there and that engagement with your kids with apologies, like, hey, son, daughter, I, I really messed this up. I am so sorry. And that humility, right, that comes from that, man, you combine humility and some, you know, self-effacing behavior with an honest effort and your kids will love you for it. I think I couldn't have said that any better myself, Alan. Honestly, you, you brought up the big word of apologizing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know about you. But I remember my parents were having such a hard time apologizing at times. And I don't know if it was the pride, the stubbornness, but I just remember at least myself, like my three-year-old son, he's been in that I'm going to be defiant phase. And I freaked at him the other day, just having yeah. a bad medical day, all that kind of stuff. And sure. I, I yelled at him and I went up and I'm like, hey, man, like, I'm sorry. Daddy was very frustrated. I took a deep breath. I calmed down. Like, I didn't mean to yell at you. This is just something that happened. You were okay. I understand you're frustrated. The, the whole point I'm trying to get on that is we forget that kids are human beings, that we're also human beings, and we don't have it figured out as far as much as our kids don't have it figured out. And that humility, that that's a that's more of a lesson that I feel is going to go a long way to, towards my son and building a new generation in his thought process than whatever could have been done, whether showing him or doing something gratuitous for him. Dave, you're so right. I mean, what you're keying on, that humility piece, is so important. I think, look, you know, we're men, right? We're, we think we're tough. We think we're athletic. We're strong. And we want to show that to our wives and our families and our peers and our kids. And But the reality is, man, we're all just putting up a front. And, uh, if we can, oh, yeah. and, and with how we act with our kids, if we show that humility – Man, the dividends that come from that are huge. I, apologies for going back to scripture again. There's a no, by all means Psalm 37 is really awesome, and and of course the Psalms are written by King David. Some fascinating stuff in there. But Psalm 37, uh, he says, "But the humble will inherit the land and will delight themselves in abundant prosperity." So the point of that is, man, humility wins the day all the time. So he talks in the same chapter about, yeah, man, for sure. Like there's going to be some people who are going to win the day, but if you're going to win the month and the year, it's humility that does it. It's not going to be pride. It's not going to be anything like that. It's going to be humility. And your kids know that. And the way you apologize to your son, you humbled yourself before him. 
that will pay huge dividends for his, in his entire life. And I feel like you've brought that up too within the book, and I'm kind of looking through as you were talking, and one of the letters that kind of brought me up to that was your 20th letter about adver- ad- adversity. Yeah. And I think that was one of the like one of the big ones that stood out to me. I want to I want to hit a couple more as we talk into the podcast and more, but that just kind of made me think about that a lot more is the fact that we go through so much adversity. And even though yeah. you're you're a man of faith and you you talk a lot about scripture in there, and I'm on the complete other side of that, growing up in that world, mm-hmm. there was a lot that I got out of that, and there's still a lot of relatability when it comes to that. And and I feel that if you have an open mind when you're looking at things like that. You, 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 you just become more well-rounded, I want to say. Yeah. I mean, look, it's no secret that um, adversity and hardship, those are the things that build character and form us. That, that's it. And so as we work with our children and help them to understand that and kind of draw from that strength and fortitude and resilience and the ability to get back up and dust yourself off, I mean – those things make us better. Adversity is a gift. It just is. Even though in the moment, it's a hor- it can be a horrific thing. And so part of our role as dads is to unpack that with our kids and use examples to help them understand that, you know, the old adage, what doesn't kill us makes us stronger is a truism. Agreed. I, I, you absolutely said it right. I remember growing up and I remember every time something bad would happen to me, I would, I would curse the ground. I'd say, why is this happening to me? I don't deserve this. I, I should, I should get more. Why is Why are they doing what I was only doing is I was passing the buck to somebody else and I wasn't taking a look at myself yeah. and being like, this whole world is nothing but challenge after challenge after challenge. Yeah. And if you take that challenge and you rise through that challenge and yeah it's going to knock you down so many times and i have a lot of scars to prove that and i've shared on the show prior but those are the ones that bring you over and then people look at you be like how did you do that well i went through this i went through this i went through this i did that i did this i had to go through this i lost this but i did that like you're stronger than i am i never could do it that's wrong you can't yeah I i think we all can and that's that that's such a hard piece of information for people to grasp especially dads and especially teenagers and people that are trying to find their find their way in this world. No, I think that's exactly right, man. And, you know, you reflect over anyone's life and yours too. And look, you've had some really tough things that you've gone through. But if, if you're honest with yourself, you probably wouldn't trade any of it. Because all that stuff that you went through has formed your character and made you what you are today. And what you are today, Dave, is beautiful. You're a dad. You're building a community that's helping a ton of people. And if you took away anything from your past, as hard as it was at the time, from that equation, and we might not be having this conversation today. So I agree. It's back to sort of being grateful for everything in our lives, no matter how difficult it was or is currently. I couldn't. Couldn't have said it better, Alan. Absolutely. And talking about that and like the gratefulness and the the ability and rising through all that, like how have the letters since the book's been out and you've given the letters to your kids, which honestly, I feel like I know all three of them just from reading the letters on a continual basis. How has that like strengthened your relationship with your children? Like has that brought it so much closer together? For sure. hundred percent. Look, and, and I'm in a different place as I mentioned before. And so right now I've got 
you know, Claire, who you saw in the book, she's 27. Mm -hmm. My son is going to be 26 here on June the 13th. We're having this conversation early June. Um, And then my youngest is 19 on our way to 20. And uh, we're the best of friends. We're the closest family. I mean, we just crave time together, even though we're living in three different states. Um, But we just crave that. And I think it's everything that we were able to do on the way to this point that's given us that wonderful relationship. And sadly, that's not the case for a lot of families, is it? It's not. It's not. I've seen so many broken homes from close friends of mine and just it dwindles like either it's after high school or they move out of state and it's like oh i haven't talked to so-and-so for years and it's like it it almost becomes sad at a point it really does and but it goes back to the idea of you know things happen for a reason why is this happening is there something that you need to do or is there something somebody else needs to do in order to rekindle that and make it grow and the fact that those letters alone, that that other outlet that you were able to provide to your kids in their teen years, I mean, it, like I said, it's something that I'm going to be starting. I, I want my kid to know like, hey, when you were three, you made me so mad. But there was so much I was able to learn and give to you on that on that back end and truly grateful for it. Yeah. And you know what? That's going to create a, a, a permanent legacy too um, for your son, your children, and for all dads who do that. You know, life is so fleeting, man. I mean, it's just, it's dust in the wind by the old rock band, Kansas, <laughs> wherever that yeah. was. But it yeah. goes so fast. And to create a permanent legacy for your children and your children's children through the written word, that's a big deal, man. And so when your son is a father in his own right, or when your son's a grandfather, he can dust off some letters from you and pass that along. And that's a big deal. It's a huge deal. Like everybody thinks of this idea of legacy of like, oh, I need to leave a lot of money or I want to build this business so it lasts forever. Listen, that stuff's not going to last forever. Sure. It's yeah. The virtues that you put in, the, the letters that you wrote, those things might get dusted up and it might be four generations later. But guess what? They're going to look and be like, wow, that was one of my relatives. They did that. Yeah. And kind of talking upon that point, like what was your thought when you wrote the very first letter? Because I'm getting ready to write my first one and I kind of know where I want to go. But where was your headspace at when you were trying to write that very first letter? It was just about it was about love, which I think is the you know the predominant virtue is in I think that if, if the foundation of any family is just solidly based on love, I think you're in a great place. So I wanted to start with love, because I think it's that important for a family, and it's that sort of anchor to hold on to in a storm, right? Because look, we're all faced with buffeted with storms and hardships. We talked already about adversity. There's going to be massive challenges in any family. But if your bedrock is this just selfless love, and if your family knows that, you're in an awesome place as a starting point. Could I just read a point because I, I when I first read that first letter, I was like, "This is everything that I truly." Believe. Can I can I just read a little bit of that for the listeners so they have an idea what what they can expect out of yeah, this? Yeah, for sure. All right, so here we go. This is out of Alan's book, "Letters from a Father." This is this is live. I didn't even talk to him about this because this just came to my head. But here's the big thing about love. This is right from his book, first letter about love. 
Here's the big thing about love. Humans are broken and flawed. We exist to please ourselves and are constantly trying to fill voids in our lives with things, pursuance, and people that we think will make us happy. You may be finding out already in your lives that none of that works. Advertising, television, and every input always suggests that if you would purchase something or look like someone, you will be successful and happy. That's a lie. The only way to achieve fulfillment and joy in this life is by living a life full of love. A life where you place your own interests and desires behind those of others. In a sense, the act of loving someone provides a much greater gift for the giver than the ones who receive. Yeah, I mean, how and that was written, let's see, I'm trying to think. So we're talking now in 2022. So that was that letter was probably 10, 10 plus, 15. Wow. Well, it's a while ago now, but I think it's even more important now because, you know, the social media and the content and the amount of time that our kids spend on devices and in front of media that perpetuates this message that, that you mentioned from that letter, it's mm-hmm. the volume has been dialed up even further and it seems to be going up further every year. And so as parents, I think we need to defend our, defend our kids from that message And that's, I think, what I was trying to do in that letter is try to defend them from that, you know, and then also give them a basis for truth on what really will provide them fulfillment and happiness. And that's love. And I think that's massive. And you're absolutely right. People are looking like we talked about prior in the social media, the instant gratification pool of I need a like react. I need a heart react. I need a share. I need this. I need that. I need you don't need that if you if you have a family who's going to give you a little bit more each and every day, each and every second of each and every hour, you have everything you need. And that's taken me years. I mean, you talked about writing that letter, what, 10 plus years now. I was 22 when you would have wrote that first letter. I'm now in my mid, I'm now in my early thirties and I'm just now getting those kinds of grasps. Yeah. And I feel that's so hard for us as dads, just as people alone, when we have these deep rooted beliefs that We're trying to break away from them, especially an idea of love that's so – it's so defined, but it's so ambiguous at the same time because we all experience love in a different facet than what the next – than what I may have faced compared to what you may have faced. There's – look, all our experiences are slightly differentiated, but there's commonalities as well, right? And I think that's why what you're doing, building this community of dads – um, I think that's why it's so important because the things that we struggle with as a community of dads are quite similar. It's like uh, different flavors of ice cream, but it's still ice cream, right? And uh, the values also that we can impart, it's the same ice cream. They may be different flavors, but the foundational principle and the principles and the wisdom we need to pass along to our kids that I tried to encapsulate in some of those letters that's going to be pretty similar across the board. It really is. And I took a lot out of that when you were writing those letters. There's there's so much when you're in those that you could relate to past letters and pick up on own prior experiences. And like we talked about, you talk about scripture in there. and But that doesn't differentiate from the actual message, which is to be a good person, to face adversity. I, I loved your analogy. It's probably one of my favorite letters out of there is the radiator letter that you wrote to your yeah. children. I think that it's still by far out of the 70 that are in there, 
that one and the mindset one that you wrote towards the end. But I felt like those ones are especially the radiator because it's such a it's such a dull appliance. It's just there, but there's so much that you could take out of that. And can you give us an idea of where like that idea came from for just that specific letter? Yeah, I mean, most of the most of these letters, all of them really came from shared experiences that, you know, I had with our children or things that I noticed that I wanted to pull on threads about. So, I mean, both of those you're talking about, especially the radiator one, is just um, the power that we have to um, radiate, um, you know, love, radiate compassion, radiate all these values. And that's so important for our kids to see that. It's, it's, it's the old adage, again, we can walk the walk or talk the talk, but uh, it's better to let our kids see what we're doing rather than to hear what we're saying, if you follow. Right. And that's 100%. a challenge for us. And you know, it goes back to what we were talking about earlier, which is being present. You brought that up. And you know, let our ki- kids and let the people around us feel this radiant energy coming off of us. We may not look like much, but if we can just share our character and our love um, just radiating from us. How powerful and game-changing is that? It really is. There's nothing stronger than that, I think. Absolutely. It's, and again, it goes back to that delayed gratification response. Like you're, you're building that ability to foster and grow and just be genuine. I mean, there, there's no better condition than unconditional love, in my opinion. Yeah. If you could go out there day in and day out, and the one condition you have is to give genuine, unconditional love, not even just to your family, but just to a random stranger down the street. Little story about that. When I was growing up, I was bitter with the world. I would, like I said, I cursed everybody who got what I didn't, what I wanted. Mm. And I realized that's not the way to live. It, it's not the way to go. And now I'm at a point where I'm walking down the street. And I just say, hey, how are you? You look amazing today. Or thank you so much for just some little gift of kindness. Yeah. When I'm with my son, when I'm not with my son, when I'm wherever, with I'm with friends, that's the kind of stuff they see. And it's oh, yeah. not like I'm at home and I'm just doing it and then I'm out there and I'm being a different person. It's I'm physically trying to do that every day. Does it happen every day? No. And that's okay. But if you can make a conscious effort to do it even 70, 80% of the time, I think that pays a lot more dividends down the road. Oh man, that's your exact right. And you know, it's there's a country music song. I forget who wrote it, man. It talks. It's basically talking about this little kid. You know, his dad's like, "Hey, man, where did you learn to talk like that?" And the son's like, "Oh, I've been watching you, Dad. You know, ain't that cool?" <laughs> and the reality is, our kids are just sponges, man. They are just soaking up every vibe we're putting out. And sometimes that's a little terrifying, right? Because that yep. means it's game on all the time. And, uh, you know, so we've got to be mindful of that. And we've got to use that to their advantage, not our advantage, but recognize that, hey, our kids are listening, watching, they're observing, they're soaking up everything we're saying with a sponge. And isn't that great? Because that gives us an opportunity to share these things that will make their lives great. I really like that you put it that way. Put it to their advantage, not our advantage. Could you go a little bit deeper into that? Like for somebody who might be in that phrase and trying to go, trying to put it into their advantage more than our own? Yeah, well, I think, look, 
if it, your listeners are listening because they want to be the best they can be as fathers and they want tools and ideas to make them better at the most important job that God put them on earth to perform, period, right? So if you turn the tables and say, hey, look, uh, for me as a, as a praying man, like, God, how can I be a positive impact in my life, in the, in the lives of my kids today? You need to recognize right there, if my kids are always watching me and they're always soaking up and they're always hearing and seeing what I'm saying, what an opportunity for me to pour into them and change that outcome. So it's a gift that they do that. And what a great thing for us to God to give us that opportunity to impact them for the better. Love it. I absolutely love it, Alan. You've been dropping so much amazing stuff today on the show. I absolutely love it. We're going to start wrapping up here, but before we do, I want to know what are some of your biggest takeaways for the dads out there when when we're talking about these letters and the book, and what are some other things that maybe potential potential dads who maybe want to pick up this book, what are some other things that they could expect out of it? Yeah, I, I think what I want more than anything is I want dads to just seek opportunities to pour into their, their kids and be active in that pursuit. And please, by all means, you know, start your own letter writing campaign to kids and plagiarize the heck out of my book if it's helpful in that pursuit. But more than that, just be mindful and present and looking and seeking, almost be a hunter of opportunities to connect with your kids. Use everyday things to your advantage. You know, go back and retrace your steps and talk to your kids about something you noticed or that you forgot to mention at the time. All those things are teaching moments. God gives us a landscape full of learning opportunities. And it's okay to miss them, but recognize you can always go back and retread them if you need to. So I think that's a, that's a couple of things that I'd be thinking about as an answer to your question. Love it. I love it. And if any of our listeners wanted to get your book, Letters from a Father, where is it that they could find it? You know, it's on all the major booksellers. The easiest thing is to probably just go to Amazon. Uh, if you search the, the title and, and my name, it'll come up. Um, I'd really appreciate it. And uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, man, all the proceeds go uh, to charity. This year, it's going to a fantastic high school in uh, Chicago called the Chicago Hope Academy that uh, seeks to help kids that don't have, um, they're a little bit underprivileged and they're just fantastic kids and they're doing great. So proceeds go to that. So would love it. Uh, any support that your listeners give goes right to a great cause. And just because you put that out there and you did mention that, uh, Fearless Fathers is going to donate $50 to that cause. Absolutely. So much. That's such a blessing, Dave. I appreciate you so much, man. Thank you. I appreciate, I appreciate you being on the show. I appreciate everything you're doing. You continue to do. I mean, you've, I know you said I've been we've been an inspiration with this podcast since we started, but honestly, you've been an inspiration since we started talking about two months ago, Alan. So thank you. Oh, thank Seriously, you. thank you. Well, I, I hope we can continue this conversation and maybe go around too. Um, I'd love to hear from some of your dads on if they're able to get their own letter things going, and uh, I think it's a it's a great opportunity to pull on a, a new lever for people. So there's your challenge out there, listeners. Get writing. Let's go. Get those fingers <laughs> working. <laughs> So I want to thank Alan, first and foremost, for being on the show yet again. I want to thank you guys for listening to the Fearless Fathers podcast. It's been an absolute honor to have him on the show. Thank you again, brother. It's been an absolute pleasure. God Can't bless, say it enough. Man. Thank you so much for the time. It's an honor to get to know you.
Continue to go out there, like, rate, and review this show. Share it with other fathers who need this message. Make sure you go out and pick up Alan's book, Letters from a Father. The link for that book is going to be in the description of this episode, so make sure you click on that. All the proceeds are going to go to that amazing charity, that high school organization. So make sure you go out and do that. Make sure you just go out there and continue to be the best father you know you can be. And until next time, let's rethink fatherhood.